message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Amen. Let's move the kids out of listening distance because it's going to get ugly in here in a minute. Yeah. I'm going to have some fun today whether you like it or not. Amen. Amen. All right, let's bow our heads real quick. Father, just, just continue, God, what you're doing. Don't let me get in the way. Don't let us get in the way. Just continue what you're doing. Keep speaking what you're speaking. Keep pouring out over us what you're pouring out over us. Keep doing what you're doing in each and every one of us, God. And we'll be sure to give you all the glory, God. Change us. Change us. Change us. Amen. Change us. Amen. Amen. I want to share a message with you this morning, simply titled, Shut Up and Shine. You won't understand that till later, but I wanted to at least get that out the way. You know, I like to start with a quote. I'm going to quote this morning the famous Homer Simpson. Famous philosopher Homer Simpson. And he's quoted, well not him because he's a cartoon, but obviously the writers that write The Simpsons have quoted Homer saying this, I'm not a bad guy, I work hard, I love my kids, so why should I spend half of my Sunday hearing about how I'm going to hell? I'm not a bad guy, I work hard, I love my kids, so why should I spend half my Sunday hearing about how I'm going to hell? And now, I understand, um, I'm starting with a quote from probably one of the most irreligious cartoons on TV. And those of you smiling at me, you watch it. I don't watch it, so don't, don't think that we're cool like that. I don't watch it, I don't condone it, I don't recommend it. Somebody just looked down, they felt bad now. But I thought this pretty much sums up the way outsiders see the church. I, I thought for me that there's nothing better, you know, you could quote a million Christians, but who cares? The world says, the world says, the outsiders say, I'm not a bad guy, I work hard, I love my kids, so why should I spend half a Sunday in church just to hear about why I'm going to hell? You see, to so many people outside of the church, I'm just another reminder. We're just another reminder of all the mistakes they've made. And the church is just a place where they're going to hear about all of the consequences of their screw-ups. The church is standing by, ready to tell them what they've done wrong, what they need to do, what they shouldn't do, how wicked they are, and how they better turn or burn. Right? Have you heard that? You better turn or burn. And that's our message. And that's why so many people, I believe, will fight and insist and try to prove and, and follow any kind of stupid belief system that they could get their hands on because they already, but they believe that the church, they, they believe there's a, they've already figured out the church and all the hypocrites in it. Amen? I expected it to be quiet, but at least give me a little something, amen, amen? Well, what if we had a different message? What if we were a different message? Can we start to get excited about that? What if we were a different message? What, what would happen? See, I was going through pages and pages of, of statistics on the Barna Research Group. You've heard of George Barna, right? He just travels around interviewing and interviewing and polling thousands and thousands of people to get these results, and that's what he does. And so I, I was thinking about that and reading all these results and, and statistics about the church, and I was looking through it all through the lens of my own experience and the experience of my colleagues who have opened churches alongside me or who have had to even close churches recently. And I was thinking about all that as I was sitting at a local Panera Bread Company, Somebody give it up for Panera. 
And I, I was sitting there just thinking about that as I was sitting at, at Panera, um, just enjoying their free Wi-Fi. It's like a commercial, right? Enjoying their free Wi-Fi and their good uh, bear claws and an iced coffee. And I was just kind of thinking about that and, and as I was preparing for Sunday. And I looked around and I couldn't help but, but to wonder, as I watched all of these people come and go, how many of these people that I'm seeing, because it had to be hundreds. I was there a couple hours. Starbucks charges you for Wi-Fi and they only give you two hours for like five. So I said, I'll hang out at Panera. So I spent a couple hours there just wondering, just watching people, and I was wondering how many of these people that are coming and going have, have ever felt the touch and the power and the draw of God to have someone else push them back into darkness or to have some local church beat it out of them until they're back to where they were before, and even worse. I consider those people, and, and so that you don't know, if you don't know, that's my heart. My heart is for those people. My heart is for those people that have, have God has already shined His light on, They've already, God's already drawn them, because you can't come to God unless He draws you, understand? So God has already drawn them, but we have kicked them back. We've pushed them back. Because they didn't look like us, or they didn't act like us, or because they had a different haircut, or a different this, or, or, or they were just not like us. They weren't ready to be hanging out with us, and we weren't ready to be hanging out with them. And so we pushed them back. Anybody kind of know what I'm talking about? So I, I wondered, you know, how many of these people God has shed His light on them? How many of you have spoken to people that will tell you, oh, I used to go to church all the time? I used to be this. I used to be that. How many of you talked to? I used to be worship leaders. I used to be a pastor. I used to be a minister. I used to minister to young people. I used to be a youth pastor. I used to lead the choir. I used to be in the choir. Anybody? I used to teach Sunday school. I've met crack addicts that told me I used to teach Sunday school. And I said, what? What happened? What happened to these people? Why I used to? I used to? I used to? What happened? Let me tell you what I think happened. Somewhere along the line, this is what I feel, you could agree or disagree, the church lost the right to speak into people's lives because they refused to be a part of people's lives. Amen. One amen. Thank you. I believe the church lost the right to speak into people's lives because we, re we refused to be a part of people's lives. Whether it was misunderstanding or bad teaching or strange doctrine or negligence or tradition or even outright abuse. Because that happens in the church too, doesn't it? See, there's been such a shift. Many of our parents' parents... Had they, they had grandmas that were praying for them and telling them about church. How many of you here knew that that existed in your family at one point? It may not be now, but at one point in your family, there was a grandma, grandma somewhere that was praying for you, that was telling you about church, that was trying to drag the kids to church, that was always, that was always, you know, to, always kind of enforcing the word and always, always there. You knew no matter what happened, grandma was praying for somebody. Anybody? If you grew up in a Spanish, in a, in a Spanish family, it was Welita with the bun, the long skirt, and the hairy legs. Right? Because they believe shaving the legs was sinful. Wives, I think it's sinful not to shave your legs. Just to, just to kind of speak up for your husbands. If you grew up in an African-American family, it was probably Granny with the big hat, right, dressed to the nines, right, in 97 degree weather, to sit in a storefront church with two ceiling fans that only go slow, with a paper fan that had the church name on it. Jesus, right? But what happened... Here's what I believe happened. Those grandmas passed. 
And the churches that those grandmas were a part of most likely passed as well. While some of those traditions might have been handed down to the next generation, something happened. Here's what I think happened. The world changed and the church did not. Can, can I give you this? I, I believe this is a foundational message that we need to, to learn as a church. And, and I'm giving it to you on the eve of our third anniversary. I believe God is doing something. I believe that I'm a part of a couple of churches that have just grasped this, this thing and we're not scared to be in the world and we're not scared to deal with the world and we're not trying to close our doors and lock ourselves up in a little Christian bubble and, and sing hallelujah songs by ourselves all day. Okay? So, so it, please allow me to share this foundational message with you. I believe the world changed, but the church did not. And if you look throughout history, what, you, what the church did while the world was changing, the church was retreating. While the world was changing and getting worse, the church was pulling back. The church was retreating. The church was refusing to engage. It was refusing to battle. It was refusing to take a stand. The church was refusing to change. I know this is ruffling some of your feathers. Hear me out. Because of that, our kids today have a generation whose grandmas aren't dragging the kids back to church. They are too busy still getting their freak on in clubs and bars. Am I, am I speaking truth? Am I speaking truth? This generation still has grandmas who are getting their freak on in the club. Tell me I'm lying. Has there been a shift? Has there been a change? We went from buns and long skirts to mini skirts at ages that should not be allowed. <laughs> And, and it's only now, a few decades later, I'm talking decades later now, that, that something, that we're starting to see something happening in young people. And by young people, I mean teens and 20s and even, even 30-somethings. That something's happening that they're starting to search for something more now. Do, do you hear it in the music? Do you see it in the shows? Do you, do you start to see it? That, that, that kind of this generation, the world is starting to search for something more. You know why? Because I believe by, by 15, 16, 17, they've already had the sexual encounters. They've already had drug encounters. They've already had alcohol encounters. They've already had all kinds of crazy encounters. But they're still hungry. Say, thank God they're still hungry. They're still unsatisfied. They're still looking for an encounter that would change them. That's where we come in, isn't it? They're still looking. Listen, just look around. I'm, I'm always beating up uh, rap artists and all that, but let's even look into the sports arena, right? These guys are getting paid millions and kabillions of dollars to play a game that they love, but they're still not satisfied with one wife. They're still not satisfied with nine cars in the driveway, with a home on each coast. They're still not satisfied. You still catch them with hookers. You still catch them with, with $5 drugs. Why? Can you imagine? I know if I told some of you, listen, if I gave you $4 million a year to play whatever it is you like to play, would your life be straight? Right? Some of us will be like, you try me. Give me four million. I'm good. I'm good. But you know, there's a difference. See, we're already satisfied. I'm already satisfied with my four dollars. So if you give me four million, amen. Amen. I'll tithe on it. The church will buy the building. I'll tithe on it. The church will put central air up in here. I knew that get somebody excited. But but I'm already satisfied. You understand? We, we're already satisfied. The problem is, though, it, I, I believe this is the hour. I believe something has to happen. This is the time. The, the church has to embrace the culture. 
See, we need to embrace the world and transform it. And I know that goes against everything that some of you have learned, everything that some of you have been taught. It goes against everything we've heard a lot growing up in church, if you grew up in church. We need to embrace this world because, you see, you can't change something unless you're willing to be a part of it. You, you can't have an impact on something unless you're willing to touch it. You can't impact something unless you're willing to touch it. You can't love someone unless you're willing to let it show. To let them come in. To share with them. To embrace them. To help them. To support them. Even if they're different. I wish somebody got excited today. I realize this... This goes against what a lot of us have been taught and it it kind of messes with our theology. But listen, this is how I feel about theology. The minute you get God all figured out, he ceases to be God. Because who told you that you were smart enough to figure everything out about God? Right? So I found... I was a youth pastor for 11 years. We've been pastoring this church for three years. So I have a little bit of experience. And I found that every time I get to the point where I got things pretty figured out, God wrecks it. He wrecks it. Every, you know, I, I get to the point where I've made, you know, this is how I feel about this. And this is how I feel about this. And this is how I feel about this. And if anybody asks me, I'm good. And then God throws something in the mix that doesn't fit into any of those three, and I got to go rethink everything again. Amen? And, and so, so please, those, those of you, I'm talking to my ancianos, right? If you've been set, allow, right? I'm just asking you today just to let the grip loose a little bit, okay? Because I guarantee you, you are in for an awesome ride. If you would just loosen that grip on what you on, on everything that you think is the way it has to be. Let God figure that out. Loosen it today and, and, and allow God to do something. I believe he's going to do it today. Amen? Now, I know a lot of you, that maybe some of you that are fighting me already in your head, you have scriptures already in your head ready to, to, to support your belief, right? You have strong scriptures to stand on. Let me give you some. 1 John 2.15 Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's pretty rough, right? That's straightforward. Don't love the world. Don't love anything in the world. If you love the world, you don't love the Father. Thank you. Close the doors. Don't let anybody strange in the building. Let me give you another leg to stand on there. James 4.4 Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Wow. Just being friends with the world, that means I hate God. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy to God. That's hardcore, right? Don't have that strong. No friends in the world. Seems pretty clear in the word of God. And and I've heard it preached all kinds of different ways. Look at this one, Romans 12, 12. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Those are three strong legs to stand on, aren't they? We can easily lock the doors. It'd be easy to preach a message with those three verses. Lock down the building. Make sure no outsiders ever come in from the big bad world and don't ever let them feel comfortable here. And I think that's what the church has done. I think that's what we do. We, we create an atmosphere here. We use Christian lingo. We use Christian words. We use stuff that only we understand. And, and so that anybody that comes in from the world will feel so uncomfortable here that they'll say, those people are strange and I'm out of here. Right? Can you imagine? And if, if you're visiting here today, I'm sorry, but I, I'm going to love on you in a minute. But... Just bear with us. Can you imagine people from the outside come into a building and, and the guy at the front is talking about how the blood washes you clean? That's disgusting, right? The blood washes, cult, I'm out. I could go back to grandma with the chickens and do trabajos and I understand that blood. 
So, but you know, we use this kind of language and we use, you know, we're sanctified, set apart, and we're filled by a Holy Ghost. Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? Who wants to be friends with the Holy Ghost? If you didn't know, we understand that, so it's different. But, but if you didn't understand that, the guy in the front's talking about, I got the Holy Ghost in me. What is that? Why is there a ghost in you, and why is that cool? Why is that good? Right? So, so we just alienate the world so, so much. And, and it's easy to preach from those verses, and, and, and we can tell you, listen, you can't have no friends outside the church. You shouldn't talk to anybody outside the church. You, you shouldn't, you know, and here's a big one. If anybody looks worldly, you are, they're surely not believers, and you have every right to tell them about themselves and the consequences of their sins. As I spent a few hours there at Panera... I wondered how many of these people would be surprised that there was a pastor sitting there enjoying the Wi-Fi with, a, with his laptop, eating coffee and, and, and bear claws, wrestling with the, the, the state of the church and wrestling with God and wrestling with, with a message to share. I wondered how many people would would um, want to talk to me if they found out I was a pastor. I wonder how many people would want to avoid me if they found out I was a pastor. I wonder how many people would like me or how many people would hate me because of what I represented. And then I, want, I started scaring myself. You know, I got myself down into this where I wanted to hide, like, you know, like they were going to stone me like they did to Paul if they found out who I was, you know. I wondered, what do I represent to people here? And, and let me tell you, that's a good question, and I encourage you to ask yourself that often. What do I represent to, to these people, to, to someone that I may be talking to? I believe it might help you and stop you from saying really stupid things if you ask yourself that question. You ever been up to a lady that's kind of a little heavy set, and you ask her if she was pregnant? How many, come on, how many did, how many done that? Oh, man! How crummy did you feel when the person sucked in their stomach and said, no, I've, uh, no. Horrible, right? Horrible. Well, let me tell you, it's nothing compared, it's nothing compared to the judgment that the world gets from us when we just pray. It's, it's worse than saying, are you pregnant? To someone that's not pregnant. It's worse because we're, there's, we have someone in front of us that God is shining a light on and bringing. And we're saying, you're not good enough for that light. And we're pushing them back into darkness. That's so much worse than assuming someone's pregnant. Gandhi, Muhammad Gandhi, I'm quoting the weirdest people today, right? Muhammad Gandhi was once quoted as saying um, when he was asked, because Gandhi talks about Christ a lot. And so they asked him, why are you always talking about Christ, but you're not a Christian, you're a Hindu? And he says, well, it's, it, you see, I don't, it, it's not that I, I, I reject your Christ, I love your Christ. It's that your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Isn't that, isn't that something? I love your Christ. But your Christians are so unlike your Christ, so I can't see myself being a Christian. See, one of the biggest challenges, church, that I find, can I be, can I be honest with you? One of the biggest struggles and, and one of my hardest challenges that I find in preaching God's word is, is to be here, is being myself. That's one of my biggest issues. When I'm preparing a message to share with you, is man, can I be myself or do I have to be this super pastor, this super Christian that, that, that people might, you know, assume or, or demand of me? You know, I've talked to people that say, well, you know, you must pray nine hours a day. You must, uh, you know, 
You must not go out. You must not enjoy this. You, if somebody finds out I play video games, I can tell they're scandalized a little bit. Pastor plays Call of Duty 4? Yes, every Sunday night. Where are my Call of Duty 4 guys at? So that you know the men of the church meet online Sunday nights and we play Call of Duty 4. We have a crew, a clan called the Watchmen, which is the men's ministry. And we, and we smack the bullets out of everybody else online and we let them know. Last, it was two weeks ago, we met somebody and he kept asking us, what is, what is your clan title? What does that mean? What does that mean? And we kept making things up because, you know, they, they like to make fun of us. They find out we're a church. But then this guy kept, kept getting nice with us and nice with us. And so we brought him into our private room because we can create our own room. We brought him into our private room and tell him, guess what? We're a church. Then he like, get out of here. We're like, yeah, we're a church. Because my, my clan name is, my, my uh, user ID is Preacher. And so I said, yeah, preach. And they were telling him, preacher's a pastor. This guy is the, is, is, is the worship pastor. This guy's the head of men's ministry. This and he was like, for real? And we're like, yeah. And the guy said, I go to church too. He said, I go to church too. And so we, we had an awesome game, and, and we actually got to minister that way. Isn't that awesome? So one of my biggest challenges is, is can I just be real? Or, or if I'm too real, will people leave the church? If I'm too real, will people talk about me? If I'm too real, will people doubt the call of God? If I'm too real, will people listen to the word? See, I don't ever want to get in, the, in between the word and you. You understand? I want the word to change you, and I don't want you to be offended by me and not let the word change you. And so one of my biggest struggles is can I be real? And, and God is always reminding me, listen, you and I are Christians because of what we believe, not because of what we do. Say amen. We're Christians because of what we believe. I'm a Christian because of what I believe. If you're a Christian, it's because of what you believe. It's not because of our performance. Do you understand that? Ephesians 2.8 says, it is by grace that you are saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Isn't it sad that daddy had to put that in the word? Because he knew that we would even boast and become prideful about being Christians. Isn't that sad? That he knew that when we became Christians, when he, when he drew us into the light and when we stepped into the light and when we, he accepted us in our nasty funk and when he accepted us and we became accepted, he knew that we would get prideful and look down on other people. And so he put in there, listen, it's by grace, it's a gift so that none of you can boast. None of you have it better than or more than anyone else. Do, you, do we get that today? So that we don't, can't boast. Amen. You can't imagine the things that I hear as a pastor. Can I share some with you? From people telling me how I should run the church, what I should say, what I should, who I should say it to, what I should allow, what I should not, how long I should tolerate something. And these comments range all the way from, check this out, how... Um, I should not allow people drinking in the sanctuary all the way to uh, what people are wearing, how I shouldn't allow the way some people wear or I should maybe check what I'm wearing, all the way to even what haircuts and hairstyles I should allow in the sanctuary. Can, would you believe that? Can somebody tell me in Jesus' name what's a Christian haircut? What's a Christian haircut? If, if somebody comes with a mohawk, it's bad. If, if I have long hair, it's bad. If it's short, it's bad. If it's this, it's bad. If it's spiked up, it's bad. If it's spiked down, it's bad. If it's too... Come on. What's a Christian haircut? But believe me, I'm not lying when I tell you I, I get these suggestions from good-meaning people that just want to come al alongside the young guy and tell him how he should pastor the church. Every time I hear that, I cringe and I bite the inside of my lip a little until I 
bleed because I don't want to let the person know what I'm feeling. I don't want to offend them. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm intimidated to be myself and, and shut them down. And so I'm sharing a message titled, Shut Up and Shine. Shut up and shine. Amen? See, I try to understand why is it that a hairstyle or the drinking of water in a certain place of the building matters. What, what does it matter if we drink here or if we drink over there or if we drink here or if we drink over there? Is, is God, like, does God have an angel assigned with a drinking pad? And say, whoop, whoop. Six people drinking, no revival in that church. I mean, do you, do you think God is like, is in that? Or is God even not even seeing? Does God see my tattoos or does God see my heart? What does the word say? And I, I wonder, why haven't we gotten past that? Why hasn't the American church gotten past that? Why, why have we believed a, a word from man and not a word from God? I, listen, growing up, my wife and I, we had already been, at this point in our lives, we had already been ministers for two, three years. And every time we had to go, we had family in a local church around our neighborhood. It was a Spanish church. And every time we would step into that church, mind you, we're ministers already, two, three years. Every time we would step into that church, they try to drag me to the altar. They, they go, oh, hermano, hermano, tú sabes que Dios te quiere. Hermano, you still got a hearing, Dito. Hermano, Dios te quiere. God loves you. You know Jesus loves you, right? I sure hope. I'm preaching that every week. Yeah. And, and they would always try to get me, grab me and my wife. They look at my wife. She's not wearing pants. Oh, boy. She's not wearing a skirt. Forget it. Right? And, and all of a sudden, all these things come up. And, and, and listen, I understand the heart. I understand the heart behind it. I, I understand how they feel. I, I really do. I want to please God. I do. Can you believe that? I, do, oh, do you think I'm here for the money? <laughs> you think I do this for the money? You have seen my cars, right? I, I understand. I want to please God. I want to live the way God created me to live. I want better for me. I want better for those around me. And, and I understand that those are strong legs to stand on. But you cannot build a strong table without balance. Amen? So allow me to give you some balance today. I believe this is a foundational message for this church. And I'm not saying this so that you'd stop telling me how to run the church. I'm saying this so that you would understand why you should stop telling me how to run the church. Let me offer some balance. The word, the word of God in the scriptures I, I gave you says don't love the world. Don't have friendship with the world. Don't conform to the world. I understand that. But now what do we do with John 3.16 where it says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Is there a contradiction in the word of God there? Or did we get it twisted somehow? Could, could God be telling us to, to, to not love something that he loved or, or have we missed the mark someplace? How many of you are willing to believe it's us and not him? Amen. How can we hate the world that God loves so much? Could it be something about the definitions that we're using? <coughs> Could it be that it's all about those definitions? Could it be that the world that God hates is the system? And the world that God loves is the people? Are you willing to entertain that with me a few minutes? God hates the system of this world, the rebellious system that, that God saw right at the beginning. He saw it right in Adam and Eve. He saw it right in the time of Noah, right in Genesis. He saw it so many times over and over again. People that, a, a rebellious system that people gathered and say, I'm against God. I can stand without God. I don't need God. If, if you have your Bibles, you can look in Genesis 11. I don't have time to read the whole story, but, but in Genesis 11, it says, right after the people that were out of the ark, you know the ark, did you know that the ark is not just this little Bible story that we tell kids? Noah's ark. 
Or did you guys really think, some people really think that was just a story we tell kids? Noah's Ark was a time where God was so angry at everything that he had created because everything rebelled against him. He chose a man and he told him, start building a ship. How many of you seen like, uh, what's that movie? Ark Almighty or one of those? Uh, Evan Almighty and all those. Kind of a cool twist on it, but, but still kind of a cool reminder. God said, build this ark because I'm through. I'm going to wipe everything out with a flood. And he did it. And so we read in Genesis 11, those people who have, that have just come out of the ark, I need you to understand their mindset. God, God allowed only Noah and his family and the animals, right, to enter this ark. They had to wait They did see that the world got flooded. They did see that the flood destroyed and killed everybody. So so there's no doubt in these people's mind that God exists. There's no doubt that God is who he is. But but it says in, 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 in 11 there that after these people were out of the ark again, God speaks to them. God promises them that he will never flood the earth again. He gives them a rainbow as a sign, right? And then he tells them, go and prosper and fill the earth. The same thing he told Adam and Eve. He said, go eat and have sex. Isn't he a good God? He says, go prosper, fill the earth. He told them, and, and, and what happens? We read right there in Genesis 11 that, and these people have already seen God's hand. Remember, they've already seen God's power, and they received this promise from God. He tells them, I'll never flood the earth again. I'll never flood the earth again. I promise you that. Here's the rainbow as a signal, as a reminder of my promise that I'll never flood the earth again. It says right after that, the first thing they do is start building a city with a tower that reaches to heaven. And if you really read into there and get the commentaries and read, it says that they started building this city with brick and not um, not the uh, the stuff that they would normally build with, but not mortar, but asphalt, which is the thing that Moses used to make the ark waterproof. Think about that. So God says, I promise you, I'll never destroy, have another flood to destroy you. Immediately, the people, and he tells them, go and fill the earth, scatter, fill the earth. Immediately, they say, no, we're not going to scatter. We're going to stay together. As a matter of fact, we're going to build a city, and we're going to build it with brick and mortar, making it waterproof. And we're going to build a tower that reaches to heaven. Right after the ark. Can you imagine the, the craziness that people have? And, and so it was, it's the world system that God hates. See, it, it's, what, what they were doing is, they're, they're, it was rebellion and mistrust. They said, we're not going to scatter. We're going to stay together. Rebellion. I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. And I'm not even going to trust you because I'm going to make the city waterproof. Just in case you get it in you that you want to flood us again, we're going to be waterproof. Like that was going to work anyway, right? See, God, could it be that, that God hates the system of the world? Could it be that rebellion and mistrust were two of the things that offend God? Two of the things that hurt God. Could it be that he sees trust or mistrust, not tattoos or earrings? Could it be that he sees obedience or disobedience, not skirts or makeup or long hair? Could it be that he sees uh, a loyalty or disloyalty? Come on, give me an amen, somebody. Here's some more balance. Jesus makes it clear throughout his ministry that he is, it says in John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But we're supposed to hate the world, not be a part of the world, not be in the world, not even be contaminated, not conformed by the world. But Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. We missed something up, right? He says, I'm the light of the world. And he says, he goes on further to say, as far as, as long as I'm here, I am a light for these people. And so Jesus' ministry is the ministry that we were given. Did he travel the world condemning people? Did he travel the world? And no, it says that he seeked out the lowest, the low, the down and out, the least. He, He sought out the people that everybody else didn't want to be with. 
And he, and he hugged them and embraced them and spoke to them and encouraged them and ate with them and hung out with them. Amen? Are we, are we seeing something? See, he says, he says, I am the light of the world. Let me tell you something about light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And, and so we're supposed to just go around shining. He, 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 he goes on to say in Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. Once I leave, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. He passed the light on to you. You are the light of the world. He says, I'm gone. So now you are the light of the world. So what are we supposed to do but shine? Jesus shined. If you think about all the stories that you've ever heard about Jesus' story and his travels and his ministry, he went to people, yes, sinners, fallen, messed up people, right? And he just shined. He just shined. He didn't say, man, you are ugly. Man, you're dirty. Man, you're filthy. Man, you're... No, he just got around people and shined. See, when someone is ugly, all you have to do is shine a light on them. Their ugliness is exposed. You don't have to shine a light on somebody and tell them, man, you ugly. Right? That would just be rude, wouldn't it? That would just be for no purpose. But if you got around people and just shined, and, and listen, I love, I love the people of this church because I've seen you do it. I've seen you just love on people and accept people and not, not judge them by how they walked in or what they were wearing or how many this and that they had. I, I've, I've seen the people of this church kind of just love on people. And then I've seen that that love and that shine changes people. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's the way it should be. That the light of God should change people. Not our con the condemnation. Not our shame. Not our abuse. We should just shine. Amen. <coughs> he says in 514, you are the light of the world. Look what it says, 13 and 14. God, Jesus is talking to us believers. Let me tell you why you're here. I'm reading from the, from the message. You are here to be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. You are here to be the adobo that brings out the flavoring of God's people. Isn't that incredible? He says, if, if you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? Where, listen, the church has lost its saltiness. We need to get it back. Amen? We need to stay in it. I need to be a big bottle of adobo that everything I touch tastes better. Everything, everything I talk to, they're better. Everybody I hang out with, they get better. I, mean, I bring out the God flavors in people. That's who you and I are meant to be. The word says you are meant to be that. And, 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 and look what it says here. Here's in verse 14. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light. Bringing out the God colors in this world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. What's public? The world, right? What's public? Secular. What's public? Outside of church. We're going public with this. Listen, as public as a city on a hill, if I make you light bearers, don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm going to put you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine, the word says. Shine. It goes on to say, keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. The NIV says, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Listen, I need you to remember the title of this message, Shut Up and Shine. Church, it's time that you shut up and shined. It's time that we stop talking. It's the, the Word of God says the kingdom of God is not a kingdom of talk, but a kingdom of power. It's time that we shut up and just shine. Everywhere we are, shine. What does that mean? If I'm shining, I will not be conformed to the patterns of this world. You see how it fits? It's the other way around. You don't do that first and then get this. You get this and then that happens. If I'm shining, I won't be yoked 
with the things of this world. If I'm shining, I'm not going to be like the system of this world. If I'm shining, I'm not going to be in rebellion. If I'm shining, I'm not going to be in abuse. If I'm shining, I'm not going to be condemning. I'm not going to be beating people down. I'm not going to be snuffing out people and, and, and snuffing the light out and being darkness. I'm shining. When I shine, the people around me see better. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? What a better picture. When I shine, I know this kind of whack, but when I shine, the people around me see better. And if I shine the right way, they'll walk better. They'll be safer. They'll be more protected. They'll have, they'll have a path, a light. And the words, God says that his word is a light and a lamp. Amen? Wow. This is one thing that Pastor Gary and I talk about all the time. We will not tolerate to creep into this church the spirit of religion. Okay? We're not going to tolerate that. We won't accept that. Listen, religion divides us. Faith unites us. Religion can be offended. Faith can't. You understand? You ever been offended? Religion can be offended. Faith cannot. Religion comes and goes. Faith remains. Religion builds walls and builds barriers. Faith inevitably tears them down. Say amen. So let me tell you something, church. At the Sanctuary Fellowship... You are not free to walk around condemning people. You are not free to tell people what they should or should not be doing or wearing. You are not free to judge anyone. You are not free to spread gossip about someone's lifestyle or struggles. You are not free to backbite. You are not free to cause division. However, you are free to shine. Last verse, Galatians 5.1. And this is the verse I'm putting right across the front of the stage. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom he set us free. I pointed like I see it already because I see it already. It's up there. You don't see it yet, but it's up there. It is for freedom he set us free. The word says, so stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. What are those good works that he prepared in advance for us to do? Simply shine. Amen? Shine. We're to go into the darkest, lowest regions of the world and shine. Church, you are now hereby released and free to shine. Let's bow our heads. <clears throat> Let's bow our heads. Saints, just pray. Start to pray. Start to pray. Maybe there's, there's areas in your life that, that, that you've... Uh, and, and, and listen, this is not a beat up session. I'm not trying to hurt anyone. I'm not trying to offend anyone today. I'm trying to let, let God just release and bring freedom to your hearts. Because you know what? If we walk around always trying to correct people, always trying to influence this and influence that and tell them how they should and how they shouldn't, we, we'll never grow. And God wants us to grow. God wants us to, to be alive, to have joy, to let the joy overflow in us. We can't have overflowing joy if we're always looking at what we need to condemn and fix in other people. Amen? So now, listen, now I feel totally free to give an invitation today to non-believers that they would believe. To give an invitation today to those feeling like if they've been walking in darkness to, to be able today to walk in the light. I feel comfortable now to give an invitation to those that God has shown a light on to allow them today to step into the fullness of God. By stepping into this local church and being released to shine. We're here to love you. 
We're here to encourage you. And we're here to shine as bright as we can so that you can see clearer and make better decisions and in turn have an eternal reward. Could I invite you today? If you... If, you, if you've always thought of yourself as a non-believer or an outsider or if you've always been labeled as the world, if you've always been labeled as, a, as something other than what God has called you to be, can I just give you a call today? Can I just invite you today to come and say, Jesus, I want to step into that light that you called me into. If that's you, would you be bold and just stand if, if that's you, would you just say, God, Jesus, I, I, I want to I, I come. I want to believe. Help me to believe. Amen. Help me to believe. Help me to, to come out of the darkness. I feel like I'm in darkness so long. Help me to step into the light today. If that's you, would you just stand right where you are? And I can tell you that heaven rejoices. And we rejoice with those that are standing. We rejoice with your commitment. We rejoice with your heart today. We rejoice that we can be here and shine together with you today. I want to make another invitation to. If you've been in church way so long. And you thought it was all about correcting everything and, and condemning everything and all about keeping myself separate and keeping myself away from the world and keeping myself isolated. Can I invite you today to stand and, and say, God, I'm, I'm no longer going to run from darkness. I'm going to let my light shine in darkness. If that's you, would you stand? As as the rest of the body of Christ just stands and shines. Would you stand with us? Would you shine? Would you even come down and, and before we leave this place, can we worship in such a way that would cause everything in us to shine, that would cause everything in us that holds us back, everything in us that we might still have doubts about or we might still have questions about. Would you just come forward with us and let's just shine. I know what song he's going and, and I was praying he'd go there because I love that. Come on, join me. Let's worship. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.